0: Hello welcome to Brainy Moms. Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about helicopter parenting. Is it working for us. When I say us, I mean as a culture and as individuals as moms and families and future generation. Is it working. Um, so I came across an article. Um, I'm a huge actually, not an article, a blog post. I'm a huge fan of Shanti Feldman, and I read her blog. And she had a guest blogger, Dr. Meg Meeker, who is an amazing parenting expert. She has her own parenting uh podcast. So, Dr. Meg Meeker um did a blog post just this last week or so called How to Raise a Resilient Child and Why It Matters. And that, you know, just was really informative and um, it definitely relates to helicopter parenting because um, Meg talked about an interview that she had done, a podcast interview with Dr. Tim Elmore, who talked about an epidemic today, a parenting epidemic that he calls over-functioning parenting, which pretty much means the same as helicopter parenting.
1: (laughs) Right so yeah what is helicopter parenting yeah so terry i think this is a super exciting topic and i'm glad that we um, are going to address it today Mm -hmm. so helicopter parents are parents who um over parent they pay extremely close attention to everything their children are doing their activities their schoolwork Um, Really to protect them from disappointment and failure. Um, They do everything they can to help them succeed. And it's really cool where the term helicopter parent actually came from. Okay. So there was a 1969 book titled Between Parent and Teenager. Uh-huh. And the teen that was, uh, featured in the book reported that his mother watched over him like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. So, um, then the term was applied to parents of college students who continued to manage their child from a distance. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then it has just eventually grown into encompassing all over protective parents, parents right. that hover and smother.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was so interesting. There's a lot out right now. You can find a lot of posts, a lot of media talking about this topic because um, there was a research study out of Stanford and um, the New York Post put it, the New York Post did their article um, and the title is pretty harsh. The title um, that just came out um, about a month ago, uh, March 12th, says, helicopter parenting will turn your kid into a brat. Study says. Ouch. I know. And it's referring to this the study out of Stanford that was published by American Psychological Association. So what you read an article too, a different resource. What was it called?
1: Well, I did. So, but it was actually based on the same study. But it was an article in the Miami Herald Mm -hmm. titled, If you want kids to soar, ground helicopter parenting.
0: (laughs) That's that's good. That was not so harsh. That's a little more like. Positive, dang, telling us we're turning our kids into brats if we help. <laughs> them. So, but I mean, why? Why are we doing that more and more as a culture? I mean, I know I definitely see um, moms, you know, other moms, my kids' friends, where you know their kid will forget lunch and they rush to the school no matter what to bring them their lunch, and I'm seeing that more and more. The parents
1: who who
0: step in to do a project for their kid practically. So yeah, why are we seeing it so much now?
1: Yeah, well, I think that you nailed it when you said, hey, I'm seeing parents who do A, B, and C, right? Mm -hmm. Because social media makes everything we do so public Uh that parents are constantly questioning themselves by saying, well, am I doing enough? This child is getting into Ivy League schools. Mm-hmm. What are their parents doing to help their kid get there? Maybe I'm not doing enough to help my kid succeed. Yeah. And so it's almost like a keeping up with the Joneses kind of mentality, but when mm-hmm. applied to parenting, because we're all about bragging on our children on yeah. social media. And, you know, so the, the sad part of that is every child has... Weaknesses, right? But mm-hmm. we're not posting about our weaknesses for the most part on social media. Yeah. We're just bragging. Right. And so I think it's just created monsters mm-hmm. um, in that mentality of I have to do for my child what my friend is doing for her child. Right. It's right? so true. And-
0: I mean, podcasts and podcasts and blogs and shows and things that are on social media, Instagram feeds, they're, they're not about, you know, stupid moms and the dumb things they do to mess up their kids. You know, it's just, it's not out there. What we're looking for is brainy moms. We're looking for, you know, the seven ways to raise a successful kid. And that's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And yet has it created, like you said, created a monster where we think we just have to hover, 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 so that we have something to brag about,
1: right? So let's talk about the problems with hovering. Okay, all right. Oh, let's, let's describe. Will you describe the different styles? Right. Well, so first of all, let me just say that from a from a psychology standpoint, mm-hmm. parenting styles have historically been described as authoritarian, mm-hmm. authoritative, permissive, and then um, they added. We added. Um, uninvolved, okay. which is neglectful, right? Okay. And so what the, the modern media has done is come up with some names that appeal to the latest generation of parents, to the millennial okay. generation of parents. And so, um, you know, they kind of built on the idea of helicopter parenting and added a few more. So okay. um, the ones that we're going to talk about today are helicopter, free range, lawnmower, and tiger. Okay. Right. So uh, the helicopter parent is the hovering parent. Mm -hmm. The free range parent um, tends to be more permissive, right? Mm -hmm. They allow their kids the freedom to make mistakes and explore and, you know, try out what they want to try out, but, Mm -hmm. you know, are there to give some guidance, um, but let their kids really learn through trial and error. Okay. The lawnmower parent is the one who mows everything out of their child's path. Right. Mows down all of the obstacles to make Uh sure that their child is going to succeed. Right. And then uh, the tiger parent pushes their children to succeed by emphasizing work over play, by having strict rules, strict boundaries to make sure that they are going to be as successful as possible. And that term actually came from Amy Chua's book, Mm -hmm. Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother. Yeah. Right. So, and it's interesting. I actually posted about this on Facebook. Yes. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. To share some of the responses. It was so interesting. Yeah. So I posted it on my personal Facebook page. Uh um, And I just said, you know, friends help me out. Let me know. Um, of these parenting types you know which most closely defines you and why did you pick those styles mm-hmm. right and i just thought it would be fun to see um, to see what the trends were uh, yeah right um, and it was interesting it was hard to identify many trends because um, they were all over the map
0: mm-hmm.
1: i i had every every type of parenting represented Um, among my friend group. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually heard from people that I hadn't talked to in decades. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Right. I mean, it was such a fun way to uh, engage. I had 65 comments. Mm -hmm. Um, But one trend that I did notice was um, parents who had special needs children tended to choose one parenting style for their special needs child but a different parenting style with their neurotypical child so they would tend to helicopter more
0: mm-hmm.
1: um the special needs child but be more free range with a neurotypical child or a child that didn't have special needs
0: right
1: and then another trend that i noticed was that um some people changed their parenting style as their children got older right right so Really, it was difficult. And I, oh, and I had several people who said, Gosh, I don't really fit into just mm-hmm. one. I have yeah. tendencies from helicopter, tendencies from free range, tendency, right? And so I think that's important to note that mm-hmm. these are just broad categories, yeah. right? Of how we tend to parent. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean that we're always going to do it that way. Yeah. Right. So I read
0: one of your friends, one of the responses, um, she said, I'm a free range tiger. And I (laughs) love that because it seems very different, but then I can think about how that could really, really make sense. You know, like really be free range, let your kids make their own choices, but then also be like, um, no you're going to go do your homework right now, you know, (laughs) but also still pushing them. So that makes sense.
1: Well, and I had another friend who said, Hey, I'm free range, but my husband's a lawnmower. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that that would be true, um, in my home as Mm -hmm. well. Um, Jeff and I parent differently and especially in the beginning when our children were younger, um, Mm -hmm. I'll admit that I absolutely am a free range parent. (laughs) absolutely. Um, and I think that was to balance Jeff's tiger nature. Right.
0: Which is, I mean, that seems like that's a good, healthy balance. That's why thank goodness, you know, not all of us, but that's terrible. I was about to say, thank goodness there's two parents, but there's not in so many cases, but when you have just the luck, the gifts, the opportunity to have to parents, that seems like that's really wise. That's really good and healthy to balance one another out. Sure. Yeah.
1: So, all right. Um, So Tim says that helicopter parenting has become an epidemic.
0: Mm -hmm. And when we
1: hear the word epidemic, you know, we think that's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Right. And so
0: that sounds sounds like COVID.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about why let's talk about the negatives, um, of helicopter parenting. Okay. And I think the biggest one is, um, that children don't have an opportunity, opportunity to learn problem solving skills. Yeah. Um, so when we hover,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then we're not allowing our children the freedom to solve their own problems. Right. And that's a problem when they become adults. So if we're not allowing them that freedom to test out options now and experience some failure and see if I do it this way, what happens versus if I do it this way, what happens? Then they're really going to struggle as they get older. Because I doubt that we're going to helicopter them at age 35.
0: Uh, Some parents try to, I
1: think. Sure. (laughs) Um, yeah. So we, so that's one, that's one drawback of mm-hmm. helicoptering. Um, and related to that is that it actually creates a dependence on the parent. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: And just on, it creates a dependence on other people to solve problems. Yes. I think it creates a victim mentality as well. Mm. You know, I didn't, cause then I think you, you were seeing this in kids and young adults more and more, this perspective of, oh, well, I was so hungry today because I forgot my lunch and my mom didn't bring it to me, you know, instead of like, well, forgot my lunch. I guess I'm going to go hungry.
1: Right. So, so it, it prevents the, a child from learning to take responsibility for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it also prevents children from learning to be their own advocates. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. If, if the parents are the ones who are fighting for them and sticking up for them and, and solving their issues with Mm -hmm. friends or with teachers or in extracurricular activities, if they're the ones to always jump in and manage that process, um, then, then children don't have the opportunity to learn to be their own advocates. Right. Right. Right? And so that's tough. And we have to advocate for ourselves throughout our entire adult lives. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's a skill that we really, really need. Yeah. Um, you know, but one of the the sadder drawbacks um of the helicopter parenting style is that it it really um influences the parent-child relationship. Mm-hmm. That constant hovering and constant nagging is gonna make your child push you away. Yeah. Right. And and part of being a helicopter parent typically you don't see that there's a problem with your parenting style, Mm -hmm. right? Because first of all, let me just say, if you're a helicopter parent, you want what's best for your child. You love your child. You want the best for them. You want to see them succeed. You don't want to see them fail. So your intentions are absolutely honorable. Yeah. Absolutely honorable. Um, We just need to look at how can we have some balance there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to speak to that as um a recovering or hopefully recovered helicopter parent. Uh, So you guys will listeners, you'll hear more and more of this as you continue to listen to our podcast. And one of these days, you know, I'll tell the tell the gritty details. Um, But my firstborn son had major, major medical problems, nearly lost him when he was five days old. Um, He had three brain surgeries before the age of four months. He had intractable degenerative epilepsy, um, till he was 12 and I was a massive helicopter parent because I felt that I had to be. And I mean, honestly, I did, I don't know how I could have done it any different for him, but unfortunately I did the same. I had that same attitude with my next two daughters that came along soon after And, um, my daughter, Autumn, so my son, Caleb, you know, he just needed a lot of care. Oh, and by the way, he is a thriving young man. Yes. He was late to launch some of because of his medical struggles and some, because I was a major hovering mom. And still, when he moved away, I bawled my eyes out for like two months straight. (laughs) He's 25 and I miss him so bad. He lives in Florida now. Um, But then my next daughter, Autumn, she is a go-getter, just, you know, extroverted, strong, smart. She questions everything. As a little kid, she was precocious. I mean, she would have been one of those kids that, you know, could just go off on her own and accomplish things, play on her own. And I did two terrible things. I hovered terribly because that's just what I was doing as an overprotective, fearful mom. And I too often put her in charge of her little brother. Like if they wanted to play outside, I would say, okay, if you're gonna go play outside, back around the house where I can't see you, Autumn, you have to watch your brother. And I would put this responsibility on her. And that, oh, huge regret for that. But then just the control, I had so much control and hovering over them. We homeschooled, they didn't stay with a babysitter, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't do anything without mommy there. Then when my next daughter, Eliza came along, same thing. Now autumn just rebelled Mm. and she in, Oh my goodness. I mean, she's going to listen to this eventually. And she'll, you know, I, I joked after I began to learn the error of my ways. (laughs) I joke, honey, I'm going to, I'm going to help pay for your therapy someday. Okay. I'm really gonna. And, and I have apologized so much and, and tried to rebuild that. Um, and we are very close again, but we, she went through some really, really hard rebellious years where she was just like, I am done with you. I am out. You think you can control me? No, I'm out of here. And then my Eliza was kind of the opposite. She was mommy's little girl we homeschooled. She was with me all the time. She never left my side. One of those sweet, precious, beautiful little girls that would just cling to your leg. Mm -hmm. But then when things began to shift um, and my son stopped having seizures and we did start getting into some school opportunities, part-time stuff, Eliza was devastated. She just could not handle it. She could not be away from me. She couldn't do anything independently. And I think Then all through high school, even, even though I had begun to really back off and I saw that amongst my daughter's friends that would bring them lunch when they forgot them. And we didn't, we were like, no, sorry, you forgot it. We had begun to realize that, that we needed to back off and not just let their comfort be everything. Um, But it doesn't matter. I think Eliza has a lot of entanglement with me and our relationship has been really hard because we were super, super close. And then she graduated from high school and she cut me off. And I mean, we're okay. It's not like my kids hate me, but it's hard. It's been hard. And I have a lot of regrets. Yeah. And then I was astounded with having a lot of other kids So (laughs) there was a five-year gap. We thought we were done, but then we had all these other kids and it's incredible. And I got to kind of start over. And Terry has
1: nine kids, by the way, Nine, if if you hadn't caught on to that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So it's kind of crazy, but I got to start over and kind of reinvent who I was as a mom and a parent. That's exciting. And it's been very different. So I want to speak to those helicopter moms and just say, I get it. I've been there. I've done that. I have compassion. And I want to say, just try, grit your teeth, know that you're going to have to endure your kid being really mad at you when you don't just step up and help them do that poster project. When you say, no, you can get out the markers and do the poster project yourself. I'll help you print a page if you need, but (laughs) sure. And, and your kids are going to be mad and I've been there when they're used to you stepping in and rescuing and bringing them lunch when they forget it and turning around and going back to the house to bring their soccer stuff cuz they forgot it it's you're going to have to you're going to have to really endure hard stuff and let me tell you it's worth it it's worth it cuz they're going to be better off if we can let go of wanting to just protect them and keep them comfortable all the time they're going to be better off and oddly down the road, your relationship with them is going to be better off too. Sure. Cause I'm yeah. seeing that play out with my other kids.
1: Yeah. I mean, y- you want your kids to be resilient. You want your kids to be resourceful and we don't want to send the message to our children. Hey, I don't think you can do this without my help. Right. Right. We want to encourage them. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, if you need some guidance, I am here to give you some guidance, but I know you can do this. We have to trust our children. We have Mm -hmm. to trust our children.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved the example. Um, This is just now switching on to (laughs) back to the little types, the parenting types. Um, And this was from an article in, it's called the very well family. And um, it's, it wasn't a brand new article, but it was just really great. It outlines the different parenting types that those new terms, helicopter parent, free-range parent, lawnmower, lawnmower, and tiger. But so they give this example. Um, so uh, uh, this is an example of, of how parents in each parenting style might respond to a child's request to walk to the store alone. So imagine your kid asks you that. Okay. Hel- helicopter parent would say, Sure, I'll walk behind you the whole way to make sure you stay safe. The free range parent would say, sure, can you pick up some milk while you're there? (laughs) Lawnmower parent would say, sure, I'll walk ahead of you and make sure it's safe. I'll tell you when it's safe to cross the road. And the tiger parent would say, no,
1: you need to practice
0: your violin for another hour.
1: (laughs) Mm. Those are good examples. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I loved those, but I I told um I told Amy when we were talking about this, I said, okay, well, I think there's I'm gonna invent a new one and I'm gonna call it walkie-talkie style. Walkie-talkie parent. What's that or- mean? Yeah, two-way radio or walkie-talkie parent. So yeah, as a recovered helicopter parent, now with our um five younger kids that are high school on down. <clears throat> um we very much do what I call walkie talkie. And that is you want to be, I'll, I'll tell the kids you need to communicate with us, but you can go. And so what, in that example of go to the store, I would say, sure, you can go to the store. Here's I've got one walkie talkie. You've got the other and, you know, just listen for it to beep. I may try to reach you. Why don't you contact me when you get there and then tell me when you're heading back. And so it was, it's just a being in touch kind of parenting. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do with our older ones. There's not, um, well, or just, you know, now with the, the five kids on down, it's, there's not a curfew. There's not like, okay, you're going to go out with your friends. You have to be home at 10. It's just, no, just let me know. Just, will you call me by nine thirty? Cause that's when I'm going to go to bed, call or text, tell me where you're going to be, who you're going to be with. And then, you know, let me know when you're on the way home. So I don't wake up at two and I'm scared you're dead somewhere. You know, it's just, let's stay in touch. Let's two-way radio this. Let's walkie-talkie this. Yeah. But I'm going to give you some space and free range. So, hey, it's different. It's not helicopter. It's not tiger. Free range lawnmower. It's a walkie-talkie parenting. I like that. <laughs> I like
1: that. Well, and that not only are you giving your children some freedom, but it's also preventing you from worrying at the yeah. same time. So you mm-hmm. seem to have found a compromise there. Yeah. And it, and I Especially think as a recovering helicopter parent. Exactly.
0: Right. Exactly. Because right. I don't think I could have, I could have transitioned from helicopter parent to total free range unless I had a frontal lobotomy or something. <laughs> right. Well, hey, how do we, how do we recover from this? I want to talk about that. I want to I want to hear from you, Dr. Amy, on some tips on how to do better if um, we do want to recover from being a helicopter parent. But before we get into that, um, we are going to give a shout out to our sponsor. All right. And I'm just pulling it up. Here we go. we want to give a special LearningRX shout out to lily who was severely struggling with reading and staying on task learning rx built lily a tailored one-on-one brain training program designed to target and strengthen lily's reading and attention skills lily's mom said that school has been a complete 180 ever since learning rx visit learningrx.com to learn how your child can also learn easier think faster, and perform better. So good job, Lily, and thank you to Learning RX. All right. So ideas for recovery. Where do we go from here? What are some tips and encouragements?
1: All right. So I'm, I'm going to give you some tips, but these are tips for all parents, regardless okay. of parenting style, right? Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. Um, because I think, like I said before, many parents have overlapping styles, right? Right, 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 right. 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 So regardless of your actual style, or if you can even identify one of these, Mm -hmm. um, the tips that I'm getting ready to give you are just good practice uh, as parents in general, right? Okay. So, um, I have always taught parents and teachers that we want children to behave because it's the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. not because they're afraid of punishment. Mm, That's how we create kind human beings. Okay. All right. So these tips are with that in mind. Okay. All right. So number one, if you create a rule, tell them why. Mm, Okay. So when children don't understand why there's a rule, they can rebel, they can resent you. But if they understand the reasoning behind it, Mm -hmm. there's more buy-in, right? It helps them be able to reason through their choices when they know, well, this is why I need to make this choice versus another choice.
0: That's good, okay.
1: And then building on that, tip number two, is to give choices rather than just saying yes or no. When we tell our children no, we paralyze them. Okay. They know they know they can't do it, but what can they do? Right? So if we say no, we also need to say yes to something more acceptable. Okay. So if we give choices, we can say, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to do a, but how about you choose either BC or D? Okay, nice. And then you're giving them the opportunity to make their own choices, right? You're respecting them. You're showing empathy that yes, I understand you're, you're sad that you're not going to be able to do choice a, but look at all these other options that are on the table for you. Okay. Now the caveat to that is you better make sure that you're comfortable with the other options. Right. Okay, so I'm thinking
0: I'm thinking of kind of a recent example. Well, hello, it was like day before yesterday. Um my elementary school kiddos did not have in person. Well, they didn't have any schooling on Wednesday at all. It was like a teacher work day. And so Tuesday night, a couple of the kids were like, "Okay, well, so we don't have school early in the morning. Can we stay up later?" And I think my knee jerk response would be to say, no, you still need sleep. No. Um, and I'm not like bragging on that. I did anything right, but I don't know, maybe by some chance, I, <laughs> I, maybe I, I did, I did, your, your tip number two, pretty good. And I said something like, okay, well, how about this? You go ahead and get ready for bed now, and then you can stay up till nine or um, you can stay up and hang out a- until eight forty, and then or eight forty-five. I don't remember what I said. And then you go on, get ready for bed, and go straight to bed. And so I just, I kind of, I didn't say no. You can only stay up half an hour later because it was only like half an hour. It wasn't that much leeway. But I did do that. I gave them that option. And it's funny, both of them, Mariana got ready for bed really quick, and then stayed up longer. It felt like they were staying up longer later, you know, anyway, but I love that tip. That's really good. Instead of that knee jerk response of no, it's almost like, can I say yes. And, or, you know, yes, or (laughs) okay. That's awesome. I love it. Awesome.
1: All right. Um, Another tip is to remember that communication should be a two way street. Okay. So Instead of talking to our children, talk with our children, okay. right? And so that says to our child, you care about my opinion. Mm-hmm. You care about my feelings. You want to hear what I have to say. Now, I'm not saying that that means the child gets what they want every time. What okay. I'm saying is that you create a space for them to feel heard. Okay. you Create a space for them to feel heard. And when a child feels heard, then they're more likely to compromise. Okay. Right. So communication is a two-way street. All right. All right. Number Next step. stay calm. Oh, good. <laughs> right? I've talked about this before. Our emotions are contagious and we are also modeling how to act under stress. Right. Right. And so if we get all been out of shape and we're yelling and screaming and throwing our hands in the air, that's teaching our children that that's how you respond. Will you stop calling me out You're <laughs> calling me out
0: right here in front of all the no, No, okay. <laughs> no, but seriously, that's good. That's something I really, I struggle with.
1: Staying really good. Good. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, whether I'm happy, sad, angry, it doesn't matter. I'm always just a little more over the top than I probably should be. So,
1: yeah. And, and- <laughs> if you feel yourself unable. Um, to control your emotions in the moment, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to say, hey, I need a few minutes to think about this Mm -hmm. before we can talk about it. It's okay to say that so that you can take a few minutes to calm down, gather your thoughts, and then have the conversation.
0: That's good. Oh man, that's, that's a hard one. If you're a If you're an expressive, dramatic mommy. Like I am, I am there with you. I get it. It's hard in the moment. I'm just like, I said five minutes ago, get in the car, put your shoes on. We're going to be late. And I'm just already I'm over the top. And by the time we get in the car and we're going to school, I'm like breathing deeply, playing music, rehearsing the apology. I'm going to have to give, Oh man, that's a hard one. If we could begin to make that a better habit, right? So just not react
1: that way. And these practices can overlap, right? I know that, you know, I had a child who was a dilly dallier in the mornings, which drives me nuts, right? Because I don't ever like to be late. And um, so not only did I have to stay calm in the moment, Mm -hmm. but I learned to give him a choice. You can walk to the car or I'll carry you. Which Ooh, one is it going to be? That's good. That's now good. you can't do that with your 15 year old. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you can do that with your four year old.
0: Yeah, that's true. Right. That is, that's a good one for toddlers.
1: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All okay. right. Next tip. Uh huh. Praise and love unconditionally. Mm. There is nothing that our child can do that's ever bad enough to make us withhold love and affection. Nice. And yeah. We have to separate the child from the child's behavior. Oh, yes. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So we love the child. We address Mm -hmm. the behavior. Yes. Yes. Love the child. Right. Love it. Okay. All right. This one's going to be the hardest one for helicopter parents. Okay. Let them make mistakes and catch them on the bounce. Nice. And what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, we- (laughs) <laughs> we we have to learn from our mistakes. Yeah. Right? If we don't allow our children to make mistakes and experience disappointment in the safety of our relationship with them and in our own home, mm-hmm. then how are they going to manage disappointment when they get out into the world? Right? right. So we have to we have to give them that with mm-hmm. the emotional safety that we can provide, right? That's so good. Yeah. So that's the first part of that. Let them make mistakes. Catch them on the bounce. Um mm-hmm. so Bob Goff Um, wrote the book, Everybody Always.
0: Yes, so good.
1: In that book, he tells what happens when a parachute fails, Mm -hmm. right? So a parachute fails, you land hard on the ground, it hurts, you probably break some bones, but that's not when the real damage happens. The real damage happens when you hit the ground so hard, you actually bounce up off the ground and then hit the ground a second time. Yeah. And that's when the bones that you mm. broke when you hit the ground, the first time puncture your organs. Right. And that's what kills you.
0: Interesting. Is the bounce. Okay. Right?
1: So mm. when children fall, when they make a mistake, if we're there to catch them on the bounce, we are, we can intervene at that point and say, let's talk through what happened. What could you have done differently? How can we prevent that the next time? Mm -hmm. For older kids, you can say, What are the barriers to being successful next time? Yeah. Right. And they don't always love that conversation. I know that (laughs) I was having that conversation with Evan, my 16 year old, a couple of months ago. And he said, Why do we have to solve this right now?
0: Mm, Yeah. You
1: know, and I said, Look, I understand that you just want to vent, but this is an issue that's happened twice now. And so Mm. let's talk through how we can keep it from happening a third time.
0: That's good, yeah. Right,
1: And so sometimes that conversation needs to be had after everyone has calmed back down from the the incident, (laughs) right? not in the heat of the moment.
0: Right, okay. Um,
1: So when we're there to love them and support them and talk through that with them on the bounce, that Mm -hmm. softens the blow, right? It helps prevent that second hit.
0: Right, it helps prevent The mistake from being fatal, but it yeah, it's like okay, the fall happened, but now let's not let the fall destroy
1: us. Yeah, absolutely. Destroy
0: kiddo. Okay.
1: All right. And the next tip is to strive for balance. Okay. Right. So allow them room to grow, to make mistakes, to learn from their experiences, but still provide supervision and support. Okay right? So strive for balance. And finally, participate. Don't dictate. Okay. So we know that the outcomes for children of parents who are actively involved in their lives are better um, than the outcomes for children whose parents are neglectful and don't participate in their lives, right? Right. So show an interest, Mm -hmm. create opportunities create invitations to experiences. Okay. But allow them the freedom to choose those experiences. Okay. As opposed to scheduling them. Okay. You're going to go to school and then you're going to go to cheerleading practice. And then you're going to go to music lessons. And then you're going to go to youth group and you're going to come home and eat. And then you're going to have, right. Remember communication is a two-way street. So get to know their interests, get to know their wants and desires and dreams and hopes. Right. And then create those opportunities, you know, within your budget for, Mm -hmm. for them to explore those things that they want to explore. Um, and then show interest, Nice. Ask them about those activities, show up and watch. Okay. Just don't tell the coach how to do their job.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to, gosh, I'm going to jump in on that one with a personal experience, personal question. I don't know how to put it. Um, But so this has been a a kind of similar thing that you're describing has been happening with my son Canyon. He is my freshman introvert, super, super smart, brainy kid. Um, And he does not want to go out and do things ever. I mean, he would rather be a homebody hermit than anything else. And he doesn't have a lot of friendships or connections. He doesn't do outside activities unless we like force him, unless we dictate. And so recently, um, we'll track started up again. We dictated that he had to do cross country this past year in the fall with the high school. Um, he was doing, he has opted to do almost all of his classes at home online. Um, and we said, you're going to do cross country. And because that we are all, the kids are all, we just run as a family. We run and hike a lot. And so that was kind of a no brainer. It's an easy activity that he can do. And our big point was, you don't, we're not expecting you to win. We don't care, but we want you to have an activity. Um, By the end of the season, he was, he was glad. I mean, he enjoyed it. He was smiling. He actually, you know, did well, and um, it was a positive experience. And so track season just started and he has said, well, do I have a choice? And I'm like, well, buddy, I mean, you're like six feet tall. I, I can't carry you to the car kind of thing, you know? And I would say, I'm not going to make you. And he still said, he kind of looks at me and goes, okay, well, I mean, I'm going, but do I have a choice? And on Saturday was Nakota's my younger kiddo's soccer game. And I went to my two teenage boys and said, you know, it would mean so much to Nakota if you guys would come and support him. And, you know, let's just be there for him, make it a fun afternoon. We can go get dinner afterwards. Um, and once again, you know, they, I said, you know, I'm not going to make you, but I really wish you'd think about it. And if not today, you know, maybe some other game, if you, if you come and do that and support your little brother. And ultimately then Canyon had that same response. Well, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it was fun. It ended up being fun, but did I have a choice? So what do I do with that? I'm seriously, I'm like, help me, Dr. Amy, help me.
1: (laughs) So when he says, do I have a choice? Mm -hmm. That's your opportunity to talk. Yeah. Right. So your response does not have to be yes or no at that point. Okay. Ask him. So what are your reservations about doing it? Okay. Did you enjoy it? Do you think it'll bring you joy to do it? A second time, what would you do instead? How else could you spend your time? So really have the conversation because my opinion is that we should not make them. Right. Um, but it is our responsibility to create as many invitations and mm-hmm. opportunities and options as we can as parents. Yeah. So if he's feeling forced into doing that, mm-hmm. then your response could easily be, No, I'm not going to make you, but I'd like right. you to participate in something. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you might be able to do instead?
0: Yeah. Oh, man, this is hard because I, I want to say, Oh, that's a great idea. For the sake of the podcast, I want to say, oh, So wise. That's great. But honestly, you know, we've done that. <laughs> I've done okay. that. And he's such an Eeyore that, um, his response even talking about cross-country last season when he was in it at the end of the season he was all smiles he was high-fiving the other guys i mean everything looked like it was positive it was great but now in retrospect he has this eeyore attitude of like well i mean i made the best of it i didn't have a choice anyway i would rather have been home you know i mean Why can't my activity be reading a book? Why can't can't... it? Well, he does read tons and tons and tons of books. Okay. But we do require the kids to
1: get out of the house occasionally. So so then it becomes a question, where did that rule come from? Why do you require them to get out of the house? And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying as a parent, we need to ask ourselves why we make the rules we make. Right. Right. Is it because we like to do it? Therefore, we think our children should have to do it. Are we taking society standards? Is yeah. there something developmentally, you know, that says if our child doesn't do A, B won't happen? We have to take a hard look at why we're making the rules that we're making. Yeah. Right. And well, then may- say, is the alternative what my child is asking to do? Mm-hmm. Well, is that detrimental to his growth and development will it hurt him in any way yeah you know will it bring him joy because we all have different personalities and different interests right so that's that's what my advice would be to you now Mm -hmm. is to take a hard look at why you make the rules that you make yeah just see you know what the origins of those are and what the outcome is that you're looking for in terms of your child it's it's good. I'm going to, I'm just going to still be
0: difficult and say, I mean, that's good. That all sounds good. But I think that there's moms out there who have kids like this that are, they're sedentary. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of kids out there that say, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to go outside? Why do I have, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to go to school. And all they want to do is sit around and play video games or be on screens. And there is a point where, it's not helicopter parenting. It's not, I don't know. It's it's where the parent has to step in and go, it is simply not healthy for you to be indoors 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is simply not healthy for your eyes to be on screens for that many hours. And I'm sorry, you don't have to like me, but I am going to dictate that you do some kind of physical, physical activity. I am going to dictate that you have to do something beyond being on screens and playing video games or being on social media for hours or whatever it is. And I don't know, I mean, that's, that's a, there's a fine line. There is a fine balance because we can't just say, well, I'm just going to be wishy washy about bedtime. I've got one kid that's a night owl and one that goes to sleep. Okay. When we know science is clear, the amount of sleep is so important to brain development
1: for our children so it's, this is hard. This sure. is hard. And, and this is what, where it comes back to giving choices. Okay. Right? So it's important for children to have some outside time. But what does that look like? If if your child would rather read a book than join mm-hmm. the track team, can mm-hmm. he read a book outside? And if, okay. and if physical activity is important, then that mm-hmm. needs to be a requirement on his school course lineup. Okay. Okay, so if you're not going to do an extracurricular activity, then you need to choose a physical fitness class that fits into your schedule. Yeah, you know, okay. that you'll do for credit. Right. So that's your choice. Um you can walk around the neighborhood or ride your bike after school. You can choose a physical fitness class during the day in your school schedule or you can participate in an active extracurricular activity. Which do you choose? Okay, that's good. And that's I'm doing good. this for that's your a, health. Yeah. Right? And I wasn't saying in the absence of forcing them to participate in an extracurricular activity (laughs) that you allow them to stay on video games for 12 hours a day. You can say, hey, you need to limit your screen time to this many hours a day. Mm -hmm. I don't care which hours those are, but that's your limit. And then choose something else to do. Okay. The choices thing. That's good. That's a good, that's a good practical we, one we can
0: apply to number eight. Participate, don't dictate. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I was going to drill down to something <laughs> that was going to work better. Find some nugget that would work for you. Well, right? yeah, because I think it, it is, it's so, I think it's easy sometimes to, you know, on a blog post, in a book, on a podcast to give these nice little, you know, eight steps to whatever. And a lot of times in the practicality as moms and Amy, you know, this too. I mean, you've, you've just, because I'm, I'm setting you up as the Dr. Amy authority here, you've had your share of frustrations with absolutely. your kids too. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, we all have. And so I just think it's, it's good to, to dig in sometimes mm-hmm. to go, no, you know what? That may sound like a good tip, but I don't think it's practical. And when you have an or kid, it's this is tougher than just, Oh, you know, these nice little easy steps. Yeah. So I know we've, we've strayed from helicopter parenting, but it's, but it's good. You know, it's good. We got to get real here. Let's get right. real.
1: <laughs> right. And so I think, you know, I think the message that we want, you know, to leave our listeners with is that the label is not what matters, right? Nice. Again, yeah. it's connection, communication, participation, mm-hmm. choices, unconditional yeah. love, catching them on the bounce. Nice. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I wrote down, um, cause I didn't Hey, people listening. I didn't have this stuff in advance. When you're hearing us converse about this, we are just talking about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing all this for the first time. And so if I argue back or question things or whatever, it's cause I'm really digging in. Okay. So, but going over those eight points, which I think is so good, just eight tips for just good parenting Um, no matter what your style is, if you want to invent your own term, walkie talkie parents or whatever, but your, your eight ideas were number one, explain the why of rules. Mm -hmm. And I think, Ooh, that's a good one. Even just discuss it with your kids. You know, how much screen time is okay. Do you think 12 hours a day of screen time is good? Well, let's look at some research together. (laughs) So explain the why of rules. Why do we limit screen time? give choices instead of yes or no that's that's a good one so important so i don't have to just say you're going to do this i can give choices physical activity is important here's what the science says do you want to do this this or this or do you <laughs> have a different perspective
1: and see how you rolled those two together you told them the why yeah like this is why i'm requiring you to do this nice okay right? good yeah okay. oh this is but yeah. you pick you pick yeah. from this variety of choices Okay, yeah, this
0: is very good. I'm gonna take all this and apply this with Canyon and (laughs) hopefully at least improve the attitude even if the outcome doesn't change. Um, Okay, so number three, uh, you said talk with, not to. And so that communication two-way street. And that's, I think that is so, that's a part of that explain the why of rules Mm -hmm. and choices. It's all integrated. Yeah, that's so great.
1: And it's difficult for you to give choices that they're going to find appealing if you haven't spent time talking with. them,
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Instead of just coming up with those choices. Exactly. Like you can either paint pencil, draw or use pastels. And your kid is like, I hate art. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So number four, stay calm that covers everything. And I think there are some moms that do it beautifully and naturally. And there are some of us that don't so much God help us please to stay calm. Stay calm. <laughs> yes. Number five, um, love the child address the behavior. So just unconditional love that, that, that statement of nothing you can do will make me love you more and nothing you can do will make me love you less. Right. So important, man. That's one that we say a lot and practice a lot with our little Jay Daria. Because I think from her years of neglect, she definitely struggles with believing that she is loved unconditionally. So that's a big, big, big um, one. Yeah. Number six, let them make mistakes, catch them on the bounce so that they can have that fall. But then as a parent, we want to step in and not let it be fatal, not let it totally destroy. Yeah. Right. Number seven, strive for balance, Have give space and give support. And that's so is the same. I think it's not the same, but that so integrates with number six.
1: Right.
0: Let them make mistakes, but be there to catch them. Right. And then number eight, participate, don't dictate. And I'm going to string that back to give choices instead of just yes or no, because that really helps me understand that and right. think I can apply it.
1: And, okay. and that also addresses the hovering.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I don't have to dictate and say, Oh, you're going to track and I'm going to take you and I'm going to watch <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's almost like the tiger thing too. You know? Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, and I used to do some of that. Well, lots of good ideas. Hey, I think I can conclude from the science, um, that we are seeing out there that even if we are having a tendency to helicopter parent, to hover, to over parent, that researches show it, it's, it's not bringing good results. Yeah. Yeah. The research study actually from Stanford was actually about, um, the success like kindergarten kids that they had, like, depending on the parenting, the success that the kindergarten kid had or not. So of course it's not, it's a brand new study. It's not like with all ages, but there's more and more coming out all the time about um, the importance of letting our kids develop resilience, the importance of giving them the space to fail so that they can then have the strength to succeed.
1: Absolutely. And so we'll put the links to these studies in the show notes as well so that you all can, Mm -hmm. can see those. Um, Hey, if you like our podcast, um, be sure to Click like, give us a rating on um, your favorite podcast platform um, and subscribe so that you don't miss any of our um, exciting upcoming episodes where we're going to start actually interviewing some guests. Yay. Um, You'll get to hear from other people besides, um, besides just us. (laughs) All righty. So we're busy moms. You're busy moms. (laughs) So we're out. All right.